to Execute Chapter 66, a Star Wars fiction podcast where we talk about canon, legends, and and more. Who knows what else more we could get into with this thing. Um, my name is Beth Van Dusen, and joining me as always are my co-hosts Chad Schonk and Ryan Schweck. So first, over to you, Chad. This is a book club, not a, not a review show. So uh, we're going to speak as if you have already done the reading. Or if you're just interested in Star Wars and don't have time to read, you just want to listen to some nerds talk about Star Wars, that's fine too. But we're going to be spoiling things. We also may be spoiling things from any other Star Wars thing out there, uh, up to and including the latest season of Clone Wars. So that has been your spoiler warning, and I have spoken. Ryan, is there any news this week? Uh, Still a slow week, obviously, but we did have one big piece of news that was reported by Variety that Leslie Headland, who she is the series uh, writer and showrunner for Russian Doll on Netflix. She is signed on to do another Disney series, Disney plus Star Wars series. Um, it's been reported that it's female centric, but the other kind of weird add on was that it takes place in a t- time period that we are not currently seeing so the first details that came out people saw female centric and thought all right well here it is this is going to be the ahsoka and sabine show but then when they followed up with but it's in a different time period that's kind of thrown things off um could that time period just be when sabine and ahsoka are out of entering together maybe that's what i can't figure out but see i still think we don't have really clear we don't know when that is yet. No. Um, and, you know, I think they're, you know, and they might have just put that out to kind of throw people off the scent of it. Um, my other thought was that if they're pushing this high Republic, you know, time period so much uh, that maybe they're going to do a show with it too, to go along with everything else that they're pushing. So who knows? It'll be interesting. I've not watched Russian doll. I've heard good things about it. Um, but I, I'm not familiar with anything she's done. When I heard female centric star Wars show, of course I jumped through the roof mm-hmm. because that's what I thought it was. Um, so thank you for ruining that for me. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, obviously new shows are great. We were talking before, we started recording that because of the uh, lockdown and everything that's going on right now, we may never see the Obi-Wan show. Yep. Um, well, but they did hire, t- they did do some casting for the casting and or show. Yeah. And they announced this week that Mandalorian season three has already been greenlit um, yeah. and they are writing it. The other thing I kind of wonder, and I, after I thought about it for a while, like, yeah, it says female centric and, you know, we all thought the same thing. But she's going to be the writer and showrunner for the series. Do you think Filoni is going to let go of those two? Like, to nope. finally get them yeah. a big show, will Filoni allow it? I thought about that, too. I can't uh, imagine he would. Right. Ahsoka's his, Ahsoka's his character. He loves her. He's well, not just going to hand her over. And Sabine, too. Yeah. Yeah. I. The only way I could see that happening is in the kind of the uh, – we'll call it the me, me Too era of Hollywood that if you were going to have a show starring two women characters, that it is now kind of um, 
com- no, not common enough, but it is now part of the strategy to then hire a, f- a woman to run the show. Yeah. And so even if it's Filoni's characters and stories, he could still be an executive producer on it. Mm-hmm. But it would actually be completely. I would. I would completely. I wouldn't be. It wouldn't surprise me if they would bring a woman in to write and direct the show. Uh, to run the show to have that female perspective while still overseeing it. So it, it is a possibility. I don't think he would walk away from it. Right. My but, other thought was, you know, if this time period thing is just kind of to throw people off or they're just trying to do time period, you know, different than Mandalorian, I wonder if it's not the Afra show. Um, oh. you know, we've known that's been the big rumor and Ooh. it went around for a while that. Afro was actually already in pre-production um, that yeah. they had started on some FX stuff and they had started to look at designs and things. So, I mean, it could be Afra. Yeah, that'd be uh, exciting too. Yeah. I, I think I'd rather see her do Afra and leave the other two to Filoni. So yeah, I, I feel like a high Republic kind of a show would be a hard sell right now because it's going to take place in the universe, but it's not going to be tied to any character or any group or any time period that we know anything about. I feel like that's going to be tough to get people on board without well, a whole bunch of other High Republic material coming out first and people getting really excited about it and invested in it. But that's what Disney's about to have to do. I mean, well, and also if they're announcing it now, we're talking about not seeing the show for two or three years, especially since we have no idea when shows are going to be able to start production again. Yeah. So, you know, we could be announcing it now, but we may not see it for three years. And by then, the High Republic stuff will be out. So, who knows? I mean, they're taking a gamble in that case on whether or not it, people like it. Right. <laughs> it, it makes me wonder, you know, if San Diego canceled this year, I, I had a feeling there was going to be a lot of Star Wars announcements. Like, yeah. we've made it past Rise of Skywalker now. Okay, now we're going to show you what's next. Yeah. And without San Diego, I wonder how they're going to handle that. If they're going to try to shift some things over to May the 4th um, and do some announcing then, um, or if they will just have a special event maybe. I mean I imagine we're going to see a lot of studios do some sort of online San Diego-ish type stuff. Uh, We're already seeing some toy companies are releasing some things that – we're pretty obviously going to be their San Diego exclusives and yeah. are now website exclusives. Um, so yeah, we'll see, you know, it's not having San Diego is crazy. Um, and it's going to affect a whole lot of stuff. I, while I appreciate this news update, I think you skipped the most important news, which was the latest episode of clone wars was so amazing. <laughs> oh, it was so good. And, uh, that should be all anyone's talking about. I, you know, it's one of those ones where, like, I, I want to save it all up because obviously, you know, whether we do it on the main podcast or on here, we're going to do a Clone Wars episode. No doubt. Um, so I, I've been trying to save all my feelings about how awesome it is. The only thing I'll say is, like, I don't know. I kind of watched that episode and it went through my head like, man, maybe I should just hold off two weeks and watch all of this together at the end. Well, they are presenting yeah. it as a movie, the way they did the opening credits and everything. Like right. they're, they're telling you this, that Clone Wars started with a movie, and now they're ending it with a movie. Yeah. I don't think I can hold off like that. I think what I'll do is watch them each as they come out, and then if, after they're all out, I'm going to watch them all together at once. Who am I, Sting? I'm not, I'm not waiting. 
<laughs> I'll, I'll get to uh, no, I I've watched the first episode of the arc and this is we're recording this on a Thursday night. So we'll be getting the second part tomorrow. I watched the first uh, part about four times and it's fantastic. It really is. Uh, and there are two musical cues in it that made me so giddy um, that we'll talk about when we talk about it. But uh, they're leaning heavily on the John Williams music for this. Mm-hmm. And uh, there is a sequence with Ahsoka that made me happier than anything has this month. Um, I, uh, which I know I, is I'm a not... low bar, but <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Uh, despite the, cold dead heart pretense i try to maintain i i choked up a little bit when she opened the when they opened the door and rex and oh it was all army was standing there Mm -hmm. it's all it was all a little emotional it was all good anyway i don't i don't want to distract this just saying if you're not watching clone wars you should be watching clone wars (laughs) Uh, so today we're going to talk about uh a book that's uh close to ryan's heart i believe that ryan was very excited about so ryan why don't you talk about the book we're gonna we're gonna talk about today so today on the show we're gonna talk about resistance reborn um resistance reborn was kind of marketed as the journey to rise of skywalker um you know it's its purpose very clearly is to fill in some details between last jedi and um the rise of skywalker it's by rebecca what's it roan horse um interestingly this is her first star wars book and only her third book total that she's ever written um which to me is kind of surprising for a book that you know, was going to do some heavy lifting, not only in setting some stuff up for Rise of Skywalker that they didn't have time to show in the movie. And, you know, we kind of joked last week that this is kind of the end game of Star Wars new canon books, but it ties in a whole lot of people and you've got to know where they're at. You know, this is definitely a very story group influenced book. Um And kind of serves as the, you know, again, to go back to that Marvel analogy, the kind of end of phase one of Disney canon um, as far as the novels go. So I guess we can start there. Like as far as just an overall, how successful do you think Disney has been with the new canon up till Resistance Reborn? Leaving the movies out, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. As far as like, yeah, how they've handled the publishing arm. Beth, what do you think? Oh, sorry. I, I just assumed Chad had more thoughts and was going <laughs> to jump in there first. That's why I'm uh, trying to be quiet. <laughs> not having gotten to the comics yet, I do feel like I missed some stuff that I probably should would know more about if I'd read the comics. But much like the Marvel Universe, you know, I'm I'm not going to be able to digest every piece of media you put out there. You know, I can't watch all your cartoons and and all, read all your comics and keep up with all your movies. It just gets to be too much. Mm-hmm. So, no, I'm not on the comic road yet. But overall, book-wise, having read so many of the recent books, it really ties everything together nicely. And it doesn't, it doesn't ever make me feel stupid for not knowing who somebody is. Because you do get a little bit of a, well, here's who they are and where they came from kind of thing. So, it does give you that little bit of a primer if you don't know every single fact. But the tie-ins between the characters, I think, has been super successful because characters you like in one book are going to pop up in another book by somebody completely different and a book that takes place 
years or months or who knows because timelines are confusing in Star Wars. Who knows when they all take place, but a character you maybe don't even like in one book is going to pop up in, in another book later or a book like this one and be a sympathetic character all of a sudden. Uh-huh. I have found... I think it's been largely successful across the comics and the books and the video games. I think the video games are part of this. They definitely are with this book. Yeah. Yeah. I think that one thing that's interesting because most of the books, and, and, you know, we're talking about what we're really talking about is the sequel trilogy stuff, right? I mean, I think my favorite book of this whole era has actually been uh, Rogue One Catalyst. Uh, uh. Catalyst, which was a, but that's an old trilogy set book. But the, um, the one thing I think that that I've noticed is there aren't as it, the books in this new canon. They don't take many big swings, though. The stakes are all fairly low in them. Uh-huh. Um, they're they're just about carving out those niches between movies and and moving you along and connecting the characters. But I can't point to too many like big moments in them, um, or or kind of uh, so 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 it's kind of a mixed bag to me. They're it, one of the complaints I had about Force Awakens when it came out, and I still do a little bit, is that I felt that it presented a very small galaxy. Mm. Not just the fact that you could see a star exploding from the surface of another planet, but um, although that was ridiculous, but <laughs> but that it made things feel kind of small. And, and the books have kind of done the same thing. Um, they've kind of kept the play, kept it kind of small and tight. And and uh, but but again, when you're kind of in the middle of it in this sequel trilogy where they didn't even know where it was going, obviously, since they were having a tug of war between directors that, uh, that, that everything's very contained. Like we were talking about with the Thrawn books, you know, where if you have the story on either side of it, there's only so many places they can go, uh-huh. but I think they've done a good job. Um, uh, winding things together, keeping consistency between the shows and, the books and the comics and the games. I'm sure if one went through with a, a comb, you could find places where they counteract each other. But I think all in all, they've done a really good job of presenting a unified narrative. Yeah, I don't think there's any big misses. You know, in old canon, there's some real crap in there. Um, <laughs> and while there's been some weaker books, I, I don't think any have sunk to that level. Um, I think throughout you know, up until all the books written up until Rise of Skywalker, you can kind of feel sometimes where some things I think were told to be put in the books, uh, most especially the unknown regions. There's there was yeah. so much, and even when you didn't need it, um, I, I think my one criticism is that it, it seems like they would set up things that felt like it was moving towards what was going to happen in the movies um, and things that were pretty big deals that had to be approved by the storyboard, whether it's, you know, some of the prophecies and master and commander, it's the computer and aftermath that shows how to get to the unknown regions. Um, All this stuff was stopping lightsabers. It felt like that was going somewhere and that that was going to have a bigger payoff in the movie. And I understand why it didn't, as far as you know, the movie kind of writes those people write what they want to, and the books fill in. Yeah. But it still felt like the book people were told, "Yep, you need to put this in here because this is kind of where we're going." And that never paid off as much as I wanted it to. I thought we'd know more about Maz Kanata by now. 
that that's yeah. actually one of my notes for this week is there's there's a lot of missing story here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, uh, very specifically. I agree with you. The old expanded universe, though. Yeah, there were some stinkers, but there were so many more books. Right. That there were going to be. Uh, and they were writing in much more of a vacuum. Uh, you know, they had a story group. They had a, a, a they they had a decision for what direction they were going, but they were they had carte blanche. They were not beholden to any movies because we didn't think there were going to be any more. <laughs> so so it was very uh, so it was a little wider open. But I agree. I think the quality. You know, I've read some of the young adult stuff, even some of the kind of the kids stuff, all the way up to the books, and I think the quality's been pretty good across the board, with a few standouts, of course. There, there were some young adult books, the Expanded Universe books that I read just because they were for free on my Kindle Unlimited subscription. So I was like, why not? More Star Wars for me. And some of that stuff was just utter garbage. It was <laughs> it was written for stupid kids. I don't know. Like, and, you know, this is just my super nerd coming out. But, like, Darth Vader stabs somebody and leaves him in a pool of blood. Now, what? How does that work? How do you stab somebody with a lightsaber and leaves them in a pool of blood? And he just does it all over this horrible book. Ask Pondo Baba. Um, <laughs> uh, so, so what I can't do then is suggest for next week we read "I Am a Padawan," which is a go- <laughs> which is a golden book written by Ashley Eckstein, though. I have read it. I have it ready. I, I got have- it. Got it for my got it for my girls. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it's "I Am a Padawan" by Ashley Eckstein coming up soon, and a very very short bonus episode. I'm really sorry that I bought your children their first star wars books sorry i'm not. sorry about that tell callie i'm sorry it's okay she's, they're they're fine they're fine <laughs> um i guess so to start with resistance reborn i mean the basic plot of resistance reborn is oh man we got to get some ships and rebuild before the next movie starts um and we're gonna bring in all our friends from all the other books um it's a lot of planet jumping you know it picks up pretty much Right after um, that you crap movie, you can you can say it. You, you know, can say the words. The Last Jedi. There you uh, go. There you go. So it picks up right then, and we you know learn that Black Squadron was off somewhere else during that movie, so they all survived, um, which happened in the comics. And then we kind of start to see that it's not that the other worlds didn't answer it was that the first order has been kidnapping and murdering people and has lists so they kind of all split up to go to different worlds to recruit and get new ships um you mainly follow poe dameron is the i would say the main character of the book um so you kind of follow him as he goes where does tamra go he goes with black squadron um to the planet and i am not going to say this one no. A crook, yeah. Basically, um, you're right. You're right. You still didn't say it. Yeah, a crook. Uh, he goes and meets with Maz, who again is like, "Nah, I don't think so. I'm not going to join with y'all." Um, we get to see, you know, Saf. that was especially frustrating. It really is. I because why is that sequence? Anyway, yeah, keep, keep going. Keep going. Yeah. Why is she? Uh, okay, sorry. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just the basics, you know, snap and. Um, Carrie go and get Wedge and Nora from the Aftermath books to get them to join. Um, Corellia is running slaves and prisoners and building ships for the First Order. You get a 
lot of old Winsher Brat, who's an executive records officer, which I don't, we'll talk about that later. Thank but, God we got his story. I tell you what. <laughs> um, and so we see, you know, there's they're building ships. The Falcon goes to Ryloth uh, with Leia, and we get to see Yendor again, who I love Yendor from Lost Stars. Um, and they kind of hide out there to kind of gather a, a crew, basically. Um, which includes who do we get? Brat uh, on what's it called on Corellia. They bring back old Ransom Castrofo. Uh, Carlos uh, Carlos Raikin. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah, Raikin and uh, and Orin Marco, better known as Prune Face. Yep. Yeah. Um, I forgot he had a real name until I read the book again. It's like, oh yeah, oh, old Prune Face. Old Prune Face. Um, and then, oh, and we get, uh, Shriv and Zay, who are from, uh, the Battlefront games, and they're in the books, too. And so then they decide we gotta go get some ships so that we can go rise Skywalker. Um, and so they go to the planet Bracco, which is the junkyard crap planet, and steal some X-Wings and some A-Wings, and... Right start, isn't that the starting planet from Fallen Order? It is. Um, and then the book kind of ends with the First Order attacks the Ryloth base and poor Yendor loses his daughter and then helps them escape. And they fly off to a secret location in the end. And that's the end. Um, you know, I mean, it's definitely a tie in book. But like I said, it's neat to see all the characters come together for it and to see these like locations we've seen in other media, Um, you know, characters like Yendor, who, you know, we see him in Lost Stars, which is back in Empire days, kind of where he's been and what he's been doing. Um, Didn't he show up in Aftermath as well? Does Yendor show up in Aftermath? I don't know. He shows up in something else, or maybe it was in Bloodlines. Let's see. Actually, it's more likely Bloodlines. I think he was in Bloodlines. Is he in Bloodlines? Since that's Claudia Claudia Gray as well. Yeah. Um, You know, it. part of it definitely is some get out of Last Jedi corner, uh, especially with the like, oh, they heard us and nobody's coming. Well, it just turns out that the First Order blocked them. Um, excuse me, but yeah, I mean, I, overall, I like it. I think we talked about it. It's a, it feels like a short book and you don't have to read it to, you know, understand rise of Skywalker. I think some people were surprised that at the beginning of rise of Skywalker, all of a sudden we have this base and there are all these people around without really explaining it. So the book gives you that, which is good. Um, you know, me personally, I just really like seeing Wedge and Nora again, even though at the end they're like, hey, we're retired. We don't want to – we're not going to go fight with you. And well, what Wedge made me mad still about, comes at the end. That's what made me mad about that is we're, we're just going to go recruit. We're tired. We don't really want to deal with this. And then they vanish, and then, but there they are at the yep. end, or at least Wedge is. Who knows where Nora is? But, okay, so you've been recruiting, but where are all these people when you needed help? He brought, he brought help. His... So Lando goes to get them. Yeah. yeah. He found Wedge and he came with his recruits. 
Right. We'll, we'll get that comic some sometime. <laughs> oh, I am sure. Back when when Marvel decides they're going to start releasing comics again. <laughs> so, I mean, I guess the first thing, kind of talking point kind of thing is, so Beth, you haven't read as many of the books. Did it? Did you feel lost at all with some of the characters and some of the tie-in, or did you just not notice, like, oh, I should know who that person is? I honestly didn't notice the the fact that I should know who the comic characters were. I just assumed that these are probably some comic guys that I don't know who they are because I haven't gotten into the comics. But like I said at the beginning, it didn't ever make me feel stupid. Like, I have no idea what the point of these guys are because they still gave them characterization mm-hmm. that was fine without me having read the comics. And I'm sure that when I get around to getting into those comics that I will go, oh, that's who these people are. But I didn't feel lost ever with any of the characters. It, it just, I'm so used to seeing characters in Star Wars books having, and in movies, having previous relationships that I don't ne- necessarily know everything about. That I can just ex- accept that these characters have a life before this point in time that I'm reading about right now. Yeah. Um, some of the other things I think they do that kind of fills the gaps. You know, there's definitely Leia. Leia's interesting in this book. She's obviously dying. Yes. Um, yep. And they make it, I think, even clearer in this book than they ever did in well obviously the movies but even in rise of skywalker the novelization like it's much more i think clear that she knows it's coming she's really just wiped out and she's passing everything on to poe um i did think it's interesting though that they go out of the way that she doesn't trust finn still like she doesn't a hundred percent buy in that he's in the resistance. I did. That did stand out to me too, because I remember reading that going, well, why wouldn't she trust him? And then the fact that Ray and Poe trust him is just going to have to be good enough for her. I didn't, I didn't get that a hundred percent. I don't think you live as long as she does doing what she does by trusting people. Yeah. You know, I think that's, that's probably part of it. I also I, I picked up on a line. I forget who said it now that I'm bringing it up where someone said, you know, Leia is not going to be around forever. Mm-hmm. I think it was maybe Poe and Ma's talking. So Leia is not going to be around forever and said that she doesn't deserve to be around forever. Like like saying like she doesn't, you know, uh, she needs to be able to let go, you know, yeah. but, but her work's not done yet. Um and uh, there were definitely some interesting – I think it flowed actually pretty well into the Rise of Skywalker book as far as her health. Yeah. Um, I, we noted when we covered that book that it was pretty clear, though, that Leia was dying. Yeah. And I had not remembered that that was part of this book as well. I had not yeah. remembered that. And so that was interesting to me. I was like, oh, okay, that's – okay, that's cool. Mm-hmm. That sets that up and makes it a little, little less abrupt than maybe the movie makes it. There was, to me, too much time passing between when this book came out and when the novelization came out. And I feel like if I'd had the novelization sooner, I might have connected those dots better and quicker than when I went back to skim through this again so we could talk about it tonight. Because it didn't hit me until I skimmed back through it. Like, oh, shit, yeah, they, they did bring up how tired she is and how ready she is to pass it on. 
And they and they tie it, they tie it to her uh, beautiful adventures in zero in space, <laughs> uh, her the space space witch sequence. Um, God, they tie they tie so it directly. To, I love it. I love it in concept. It just looks terrible on screen. Um, like, I like the idea of it. I just think that it looks goofy. And Ugh. they uh, and so they they do do a good job of like saying like she never she never quite recovered from that. Like she survived, but barely. Yeah. You know, it, there was a lot of hangover from Last Jedi in this, right? Poe's yeah. dealing with his mistakes. Leia's dealing with what was happening to her. R2 is, like, depressed. Like, that's yeah. like a yeah. in the book. Like, yeah. little R2 is sad. Um, and, you know, that it undoes Finn and Rose. Finn is completely friend-zoned Rose. <laughs> yeah, that happened quick. <laughs> He's like, yeah, well, that was just a moment. We, we, we're good. That, what was w- funny was I was skinning through some articles about this book, and one of them, one of the, I guess the girl saw what she wanted to see. She read that she felt like this book was shipping Finn and Rose for the Rise of Skywalker, and I was like, wait, no, I got the exact opposite out of it's that sh- because this book made me feel like Finn and Poe were being shipped, and then when we got into the Rise of Skywalker, I was like, oh yeah, it's gonna happen. It was so hot. It was totally, it was totally <laughs> Finn and Poe. This book, yeah. absolutely. Like he, he ties, he's tied for him. That's <laughs> yeah. Like, that is he, the most coupley thing ever. No, no, no. Poe comes into the Falcon or wherever they are, and Rose or and um uh Finn and Ray are talking like closely, and he gets jealous. Yep. <laughs> and then he's like, "So you guys got something going on?" He's like, "No, we're just friends." He's like, "What about Rose?" "Oh, we're also just friends." They get rid of both of Finn's potential love interest in one swoop, so that his real love interest, uh, he could tell his real love interest that he's single. <laughs> and uh, I still think they're wrong same-sex couple kissed at the end of Rise of Skywalker. Um, uh, but yeah, there, there was a lot of that this time around. <laughs> um, I, I think the next big thing with this book, and I'm curious what y'all think, there's one character who seems like should be a lot bigger in this book and totally isn't, and that's Ray. Ray is almost non-existent in this book. Um, she's kind of there in the background, and she you know, pilots the ship, but she sure doesn't do a lot. Um, and I remember reading it and thinking, well, obviously they're hiding whatever's going to happen with Ray for the book. And so they want to avoid that. But it's weird how little they mention her or really talk about her. I don't know. What do you all think about that? It feels like a dictate. It mm-hmm. feels like they were told yeah. she was told not to touch Ray that much because because uh, since the Skywalker saga and she is Ray Skywalker at the end. The movie, the sequel trilogy is her story and her and Ben's story. And so I just think they didn't they don't want to advance her story anymore (laughs) than they, you know, like they're like put her in a holding pattern, have her just be kind of dazed by all that's happened. But just kind of keep her in a holding pattern for now, because we can't really do anything interesting with her until the movie. Yeah. One thing I thought was interesting they do do with Ray in this is they have a scene with Leia and her and Leia thinks at least that she senses that Ray is the most powerful Jedi ever, like more than Luke. It specifically says more than Luke. I just don't think that ever played out. I think and I think this goes for all this sequel trilogy, like Ray's kind of force powers and I think the level they wanted her at varies dramatically. Yeah. But I I honestly didn't notice Ray being sidelined 
in the book. Um, I mean, I'm sure I did notice it, but when I was like making notes for tonight, I have no notes about Ray. She's just like a non-entity in this. Yep. Yeah, she has like, she has a couple of scenes mostly with Leia, and she's dealing with some. She's dealing with having visions. I think in the book, right? She's yeah. she's coming to terms with the fact that her her storyline basically seems to be her coming to terms with the fact that she might be able to see the future, like right. any other Jedi. And what does that mean? And trying to convey to Leia what she's feeling because she doesn't know how she doesn't know how to put it in the words yet. And she doesn't know how to share it with her. So that's kind of she's kind of sidelined by that. She's kind of stuck in her own head for most of the book. But if you look at them, like the cover art, the main cover art for the book, who is it? It's Poe and it's Leia. So I don't think this book is really supposed to be about Ray's on the Ray's on the cover, too, though. She's there. But I mean, who's the larger characters? Poe's face is enormous. Yes. Yeah. No, he's definitely. This really is. This is a Poe book. Which I which I was fine with because before this book I didn't really have a lot of strong feelings one way or the other for Poe. I liked him and he was funny and he was kind of like Han Solo 2.0, uh-huh. just a funny cocky pilot. But this book gave him a lot of depth that I think his character needed for me to really connect with him and what he was going through and to make me care about him as a main character when we got to Rise of Skywalker. I think with Poe, it's almost like you see a continuation of that kind of Han arc going from kind of the cocky jerk to being a leader. And they didn't really, you know, Return of the Jedi happened so fast, you don't see Han Solo get to that level. Whereas I think if the story had continued in the movies, you know, the Death Star and blown up or whatever, that kind of would have been that same kind of arc for Solo too. Does that make sense? Yes and yes and no. Here, here's what I'd say. Um, the reason we don't see Solo become a leader is because he does it in the three years between A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back. Right? When we get an Empire Strikes Back, he's got a rank. Yeah. Right? And he's working for the Rebellion. And one of my problems with this book and one of my problems with the whole sequel trilogies is it takes place in like a week and a half. And at least it feels that way. Now, I don't know the the exact timeline for Rise of Skywalker, but how in the hell does the First Order take over the entire galaxy? Like, when the, when the Empire comes to be, the Empire is the Republic. So all of that is in place. The Empire, the Republic just puts out a new sign, right? We are now the Empire. And it makes sense that, that Palpatine could create this empire because he already it was the it's made from the remains of the Republic. In this, there's Force Awakens where you know the New Republic doesn't take the the new the First Order seriously. Then they blow up the capital of the Republic, and then Last Jedi takes place immediately after. This book takes place immediately after Last Jedi, and it seems like the First Order runs the whole damn galaxy already. Well, in this book, though, they kind of talk about that the First Order has been going planet to planet and basically being like, you surrender or you're done. And the ones that don't surrender, they blow the planet up and move on. But over a matter of days and weeks? That's part of my problem with it feeling small. Like, it, yeah, the, the original, you know, if you go back to the prequels, there's a decade between one and two. There's a there's a whole war between two and three. Uh, between four and five, there, there's a few years. Between five and six, there's like a year or something, nine months to a year. Time passes. And in, in this trilogy, in the sequel trilogy, this piled them up on top of each other. I always assumed that Rise of Skywalker takes place at least a year later. But 
they've piled them all up on top of each other and it just you know I, I don't need super realism in my star wars but it strains credulity to say that like all of a sudden this force that wasn't ruling the galaxy all of a sudden is because to me that means the people making these movies didn't watch the prequels which you know okay fair but the idea that the that the the empire didn't take over the republic the republic right. became the empire and in this, the First Order is a separate entity that just all of a sudden takes, you know, because when we get into the story, they're using Coruscant, not Coruscant, they're using Corellia to make ships. All the apparatus is already in place for them to making these ships on Corellia. When did they do that? When did they have time to do it? Just, it just feels so fast, and I don't know why they couldn't have taken a breath right? and just well, slowed down. I, I think that those stories are still to come because... We don't know where Thrawn is. We don't know how much power is out there in the unknown regions right now. No, we don't. So I, I feel like those stories are probably still to come. And well, they are. Know. I'm I'm not. I'm just I'm just complaining. I'm just arguing that the timeline seems so rushed. Yeah. That that I don't know how. No matter what the story is, I don't know how those things could be accomplished. And I just wonder why. And this book is just following the lead of the movies that it's tying into. I just don't know why they decided to compress it so much and make it so that this is all st- – because uh, I will say one criticism – not criticism I have of this book, but one wish I had for this book is I wanted it to be twice as long, uh-huh. and I wanted it to cover years. I wanted it to be a full-throated epic. That's what I expected it to be. So either that or I want two more <laughs> that we tell me been, the story we, that's we happened have been between. missing a lot of story. And I, I get that there are certain things they want to happen in certain ways, but I feel like the way they're going about the timeline and the order that they're releasing stuff, and I know that different writers are writing things at different paces and all that, but I, I feel like the story is going to be very disjointed. Because if we get Thrawn books that show what happens to him in the Unknown Regions or what is being built out there, what remnant of the Empire is still hanging out there, we're going to get the information after we don't care about it anymore. Well, and it's also, uh, this book should be called resistance reborn. This is resistance is a fetus. Like <laughs> we get the very beginning of it being reborn, but the, the rebirth of the resistance takes place over the next, however much time between now and rise of Skywalker. This is just the beginning that shows how they get back on their feet, which is fine, uh. but it feels just like you get to the end of the last Jedi and there's like six of them left. And you're like, well, okay. And you get to this, there's like 20 of them. You're like, that's still not enough. <laughs> and that's part of the point. I understand that. But it just, it doesn't quite live up to its title, in my yeah. opinion. It doesn't quite get there. I yeah, I really expected it to be, well, it, even the time between Last Jedi and Rise of Skywalker, to see more like planets rising up and, you know, Jedi Kid. Like, what? where's Jedi Kid? <laughs> like, that should have paid off somewhere. Some, Wait for Ryan Johnson's trilogy, I guess. I don't know. But, I mean, you're right. Like, I mean, how much time between this book and Rise of Skywalker, there can't be more than a month, right? See, I thought it was supposed to be a couple years before the next, before Rise of Skywalker. It doesn't feel like it, though. No, but Leia's already dying. Like, yeah, no, you're right. You're right. Yeah. I mean, Ray's got a train, and so that happens. But, I mean, I really think it's a month or two. The whole sequel trilogy takes place in, like, two months? It seems like it. Yeah, see, that's one of my problems with it. <laughs> that's one of my big problems with it. And, and as someone who does enjoy all five of the new films to one degree or another, I it's my 
probably my biggest problem with the whole thing is just this. Uh, and, and I'm not talking about how they sped up hyperspace, whatever Lucas did that too. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, hyperspace is as fast as you need it to be for the story. But with this, it's uh, it just feels like they, I, I don't know what, what, what was wrong with like, you know, and again, I'm not going to get into a last Jedi bitch fest. Um, but the idea that, cause I do like the film, but the fact that it starts off immediately, Mm-hmm. after Force Awakens, like, why? Why Why do we have to pile them on top of each other like that? That makes them feel less epic. It makes the story feel so much smaller. Um, well, and one thing I don't know if they've ever explained, or maybe they haven't, I just don't remember it. I don't think it's really clear, too, how big the First Order is before Force Awakens begins. Yeah, I have no I idea. Mean, we know they're there. I mean, everybody seems to know about them. They must be taking over planets already. They have informants everywhere, apparently. Right. And, you know, they kind of – the books, especially I think, you know, Bloodlines has some of it in there. Uh, which other ones? That the Republic demilitarized itself. And that's been a theme kind of in these little phase of books too where it was a big fight between um, Mon Mothma yeah, and the others about them demilitarizing but you don't think that like mon mothma and akbar and all them would see the first order come rolling up because they're very aware of them see a star destroyer (laughs) and banners and be like yep seen this one before we need to go ahead and ramp back up yeah i mean mon mothma the idea with mon mothma is she comes from the old republic right and so once the war is over the old republic did not have a standing army before the clone wars and so to her, she wants to get back to that, which yeah. is probably also a fault. Um, uh, make the galaxy great again, I guess. But she wants to get back to that. And so she wants to go back to the time without weapons. You're, you're right. I, I guess maybe and maybe maybe we don't know entirely because I do think the First Order has been very vaguely and poorly defined really uh, throughout all this. Uh, they just wanted a bad guy that looked like the Empire. And is amazing, and, and what and what sucks about that is Kylo Ren's amazing. Kylo Ren slash Ben Skywalker, sorry, Ben Skywalker, um, that's another character. Uh, maybe we'll talk about Ben Skywalker one day. Kylo Ren slash Ben Solo is such a cool character, and I love his story, and I think he's one of the great Star Wars characters and villains of all time. But his uh, his his backup band is kind of crap, yeah. and and I don't, I, you're right, I don't know, I didn't. I'd assumed by now that I would know a lot more than I did when I saw Force Awakens when I was confused about them. And I know I know more, but I don't know a lot more. <laughs> yeah, like, I, yeah. I, I, you know, but you're right. And, and that's part of my problem is all of a sudden they're running the that everyone thought was this this kind of upstart Hitler youth group. All of a sudden they're running the shipyards on Corellia. It's like if somebody blew up Washington, D.C. and within a week the bad guys are making tanks in the Ford plant in Michigan. Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. not going to happen. No. Um, well, no. Okay. Shrek, um, I, I believe you've read Phasma, right? Yes. I have not. So no. do you have any idea when that book is supposed to take place? Because that book has a, a fairly firmly established first order, the hierarchy, the training programs, all of that. I mean, Phasma appears to take place a good 
10, 15 years maybe. Yeah, maybe 10 before Force Awakens. At least that's how I thought it was. That's the idea I got too. Yeah. I mean, they're out there. And so, so that's the question too. Like, if this is the Emperor's big old plan, the First Order and whatever, and they're building out one part of the Unknown Regions, and then he's got his Sith fleet in the other part, what in the hell's the point of all that? Like, you've got this massive army ready just send them are you doubting sheev sheev are you doubting sheev but anyway back to resistance (laughs) um another interesting talking point i think is speaking of old ben solo i did think it was really interesting at one point leia one leia doesn't know what happened they make it i don't know pretty clear that she doesn't really know luke tried to murder him um and she goes out of her way to say, too, like, yeah, I can't save him. He's the only one that's going to be able to do that, and that's why I don't do anything. I'd like to point out Luke didn't try to murder him. Luke considered murdering him. Murdering that's him. true. <laughs> well, I think uh, Ray and Leia are talking about it at one point, and Leia tells Ray you ha- you'd have to ask him yeah. what, what happened because I don't know. Which, I mean, I guess Luke kind of woke up and then – pieced out he <laughs> was like uh i probably shouldn't tell my sister about this so uh <laughs> yeah that's this whole thing is just him been him not wanting to get yelled at by his sister yeah <laughs> that's the entire thing octo and everything <laughs> to be fair if your sister was leo organa you wouldn't be want to be scolded by her either yeah, yeah. i want to piss her off no, no yeah but it's interesting like that leia doesn't really understand any of how ben went to the dark side and she says it like i don't really know how snoke did this well you know her and everyone else that's read any of these books or movies but she's not as informed which i guess you know we talked about that last week why hasn't leia tried this before but i guess they forgot that she did talk about it yeah yep one thing I wanted to point out, there, like you said, there's a lot of uh, characters coming back into this. There's also a lot of little cool things in here, little details. Um, it was cool seeing, you know, despite my problems with the takeover, it was cool seeing Corellia mm-hmm. being a fan of Solo. It was cool seeing Ryloth. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of these familiar worlds that have been in the Star Wars canon forever uh, in Legends and now but that have gotten new life in things like solo or in uh, on rebels and uh, uh, clone wars with Ryloth and kind of these new visions of these planets and seeing what they're up to in this era, I thought was really cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, Corellia also jumped, dropped a couple of names. It dropped the name Bella Vistal and Duaba Gerfel, which are both planets that were from the old star Wars galaxies, MMO RPG, not planets, but cities on Corellia from the Star Wars Galaxies MMO, because uh, I used to have a house outside of Bella Vistal, I think, when I was playing that game. But So there's a lot of little, more little kind of canon, or I don't know, EU references throughout the thing. Um, and before we, next question, I really like the fact that Jess is known as the Destroyer, because she keeps losing droids. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's from the comic, too. But yep. she keeps losing her droids and all the droids look at her and call her the destroyer. And I think there's even isn't there a moment in the comics, too, where they're all kind of standing there and like none of them want to go with her. There's like a group of droids or oh, something. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. You know? right. She's like, listen, I'm sorry, I don't do it on purpose. And they're like, nope, we're not going. Nope. No one wants to go with her. So, 
yeah. I, I just thought there was a lot of little stuff um, and a lot of wedge. A lot of wedge. A lot of wedge. Which yeah. is why when we got to the movie, I was like, wait, wedge is in a two. Oh, sorry. Tearing stuff up. Wedge is in a two second scene after all this time in this book. Wedge is two seconds. With as much of a pain in the butt as Dennis Lawson appears to be. Uh, I think they got that two seconds of him sitting in his chair in his home and that they got it. They got enough. Like, cause he was supposed to, he wanted him to force awakens and he said he didn't want to have anything to do with it. So, uh, I think it's a coup that they got him again. That's for people who know the old movies. Like my brother recognized that it was wedge. Uh, he would not have cared about Nora at all. <laughs> you know, Shame. Um, he's like, why, why is the fat guy from Felicity getting a close up before he dies? <laughs> But, uh, so, you know, but Wedge is at least a recognizable movie character to have his appearance. So out of all the characters, which one were y'all the most happy to see or glad that was included? Hmm. Besides the random mention of Hera. Because if Hera had actually been (laughs) in, she would be the obvious answer. (laughs) Obviously. Yeah. I, okay, so I was both pleased and disappointed to see Ransom Kosterfo. Because I really did end up liking his character a lot in Bloodlines, which I'm sure we will talk about at some point. But then I was disappointed because I didn't expect them to put him in the damn movie. But what is the point of him being in this book at all? And then he's not even in the novelization. For us. (laughs) But they just save him and then that's it. Well, it's because he's built up as being like, this big strategic leader that we need and is really going to push over, you know, us being successful. But yeah, he's never mentioned again. So he, he, he basically is just there for Leia to have someone she knows to, to help her for whatever reason, but he helps her in no way and does nothing that we know of because we never hear about him again. So I was happy they saved him. And at the same time going, well, what the hell was the point of saving him? Mm-hmm. Other than it was nice to save Leia's buddy. <laughs> I I really, listen, I think the Rogue Squadron books are some of the best of the old Expanding Universe books. So I'm always going to be happy to see Wedge. Yeah. Uh, and I thought that was really cool. But bring, bringing in General Riken was really neat, I thought. Um, that was a character that uh, you could have assumed dead. And after killing off Akbar. And Mon Mothma being gone, I thought bringing Raikin into it was uh, was kind of cool. I guess I'd never realized he was from Alderaan. But, yeah, I didn't either. Yeah, me neither. Uh, and I don't know if that's expanded the universe or not. If I looked it up, he probably was. But uh, I think that was my favorite, of course, with Pruneface, of course, <laughs> um, with him. But uh, I, I liked that little appearance. I liked Raikin showing up and, and, and this idea that, like, you know, these are her old allies she's calling on, you know, and yeah. uh, and, and that they're coming together. But yes, if Cham or Hera Sandula would have shown up, then that would be my answer. Yeah. When are they going to release Hera to really <laughs> start interacting more? Because 3PO calls her a hero of both the Rebellion and the New Republic. Yeah. And, and, and we I'm know like, now she's been a, she was at Hoth like it's filling in. Eventually, we're going to see. More. I want to see Jason Sandula. I want to see Jason. <laughs> I want to see him flying the ghost to Exegol. Uh, it, it could have been him. Yeah, totally him. 
totally him. It should have been. Yeah. Oops. So. Well, what did, you, what did you like seeing then? Who Who is your favorite? Oh, I mean, mine's obvious. <laughs> Wedge and Wedge, Wedge. Yeah, Wedge yeah, and Wedge and Nor. Um, yeah. and I I like that. The Wedge and Nora part, especially if you've read Aftermath and how it ends, it's sad that they get dragged back into anything. Yeah. Because, you know, the end of that basically is enough is enough. Like, we don't have any more to give. We're finally just going to have to let go. And then they get pulled right back into all of it. Um, Yeah, I like seeing them again. I like seeing, you know snap with them and them calling him Timon and all that good stuff. The uh, their stuff reminded me a little bit of the Ursos at the beginning of Rogue One. Mm-hmm. Yeah, where they're kind of they've gotten away from everything and they're kind of living off a little quiet existence and trouble comes calling. Uh, it just it reminded me of that a little bit. But yeah, I, yeah, I, I'll admit I kind of got it's it's dumb, but I kind of got excited to hear keep you know he goes by Snap now you know like you yeah. know, no he's Temin. That's Tim. Yeah, where's Bones? Yeah. If they had Bones? brought Bones back somehow, it would have made me even happier. Yes, yeah, sure. Yeah, no, they did not do that. They did not do that. Well, do y'all have anything else for this one? I was going to ask about the uh, writing off the Rose and Finn thing, but we already hit that. Um, well, let's talk about Rose real fast. Sure. <laughs> sure. Because Rose you know, in this again is just kind of there. She has more to do here than she does in the movie <laughs> that she does in rise of Skywalker. But I always felt like, did we need that much Rose in the first place? Like her character's fine, but I don't feel like she adds that much other than giving Finn something to go do this thing during last Jedi. Cause we don't know what else to do with you. So just go with her and do some stuff. Her part was overblown for her contribution to the overall universe in that movie. And not to get into a whole ripping apart this movie, but, you know, because we could for hours. But after after that, I was just like, okay, well, they gave her something to do. Good for her. I don't need more of her. I didn't need. It didn't bother me. She was sidelined because she should never been frontline to begin with, in my opinion. See, I guess I see it differently because she was, and so, and she was kind of made out to be, in Last Jedi, at least someone who had the true heart of the rebellion in her, the true heart of the resistance and spirit of it in her, and I really like her as a character, I really like the actor, so I understand why she was sidelined, partially because she wasn't J.J.'s character, Um, and J.J. wanted, you know, although, and, and they wanted to create, what's her name, Jana. Yeah. For Rise of Skywalker. Um, I don't know. I still think she got a bum deal. Just because maybe you don't think her character should have been big. They could have done things to make it so that she was it was okay that she was. You know, they could have just made her an important character. Well, Well, so that's what I kept waiting for. Like, all right, if we're going to have Rose, she needs to do something. Yeah. And she just does it. And I like, you know, Kelly Tram. Like, I think she's great. I'm not one of those people that, you know, hates Rose or whatever. I just don't see the point of her for what they presented. I thought she presented in Last Jedi, like I said, the – the okay, to draw a parallel to last time, she's like Ahsoka to me. Like, 
you know, Finn is trying to run away and save his hide and Poe's all got it up his butt about, you know, he's this cocky leader and all these things. And Ray's worried about being a Jedi. And Rose is just the spirit of the resistance. Her sister is killed and she's just a good person who wants to fight against the bad guys. And so I thought that was a, a nice dynamic in Last Jedi because when we meet Finn, he's ready to bail. Right. He's a he's he's about to make himself a deserter for the second time. And she's kind of counteracting to that. She's all heart and she's all resistance. And so I actually like that about her character. I I don't care one way or another about the romance between the two of them, although I don't think it would have been out of line to continue it for the third movie at all. I think they should have. It would have given some continuity. Yeah. I mean, they could have, but the chemistry was obviously somewhere else. Well, that's true yeah. as well. Yeah, and, and I think they decided on that because Ray and Ben are kind of this uh, un uh, unrequited Romeo and Juliet story. They didn't want to put any other love story in it at all, even though we weren't really aware between the two of them. We were watching a love story for most of it, and it's not a traditional. It's not a romance, but it's a love story in. Uh, so I think they kind of, I, I don't know that it did. I did prickle at that in the book though, when he's like, Oh, we're just friends. And I'm like that. We just pass over that just so quickly dismiss the entire end of that movie, their entire adventure together kind of gets dismissed with that line. And it, it does feel despite what they say, it does feel like it, it, And I have mixed feelings that there was a concerted effort to undo the last Jedi. Uh huh. <laughs> You know, like not and not just not just in uh, which we talked about before, not just in Rise of Skywalker, but in all the other material as well, um, that that they're just, you know, it, you can kind of figure out which ones are J.J. books and which one are Ryan Johnson books. And this is a J.J. book. So I don't know. But I, I don't know. I, I I I'll admit I missed Rose in Rise of Skywalker only because they kept showing her and. I'm like, well, why she she used to be up front, you know, and she's not anymore. And it felt uh, and and I'll admit it felt a little rough being all the backlash. Here's why I don't like it. All the backlash against her character. All the racist and sexist backlash against her character that happened and how awful that was. Whether you like the movie or not, it was just patently awful how people reacted to her and treated her. And so then to get in that third movie and she's sidelined is almost it almost it's not I know but it almost felt like JJ kind yeah. of uh, kind of been kind of like uh, uh, throwing a bone to those people and those people are people that I don't want as Star Wars fans and that I don't want a bone thrown to um, and that's probably not his intention but it did feel that way to me especially as a woman of color um, you know it was a big deal she was the first like you know, Asian American lead of a star Wars film in last Jedi. That's a, that's a, that's a, that's a big deal. And, uh, in the way that Diego Luna is, uh, really the first, you know, uh, Latinx, um, uh, uh, lead character in star Wars. And so to kind of sideline her after that felt a little regressive, I guess. I don't know. I, I think they could have done more with her. I don't. I think she's a capable enough actor and a great, a good enough personality, and 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 that they could have done something with her. 
than just turn her into one of the other techs on the ground, basically. Yeah. Well, I I would hope that they didn't sideline her to placate the assholes. And I don't think I don't think they did. It just that's what it felt like to me. It's more perception. Um, it just th- felt to me more like they just didn't know what to do with her in this story. So they're like, okay, well, you are going to do some engineering research because we don't have anything else for you. There's no more, there's no Canto bite in this movie. Sorry. No, I agree with that. Except for at the same time, they gave us they gave us uh, Jana and they gave us Zori Bliss, and so they added new characters. Well, and what's so weird really, is it really add up to much. With all that, you know, navigation tower business on Exegol, I mean, it would be so easy to make her the one that could be the only one that could shut them down or has the knowledge of how to make it stop or something like that. You don't have to change the story for that, but. No, I mean, just having her, having it be, I don't, I guess I don't see what would have been wrong with having her and Finn being the ones hanging off the Star Destroyer. At the end of Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, that actually would have been fine. I, I don't see what the problem would have been if that would have been his his comrade, even if they aren't together, if that would have been the person he was side by side and not Jana, who I know that, you know, they have more in common and, and we've created this idea, you know, that she was a stormtrooper, too, which, OK, but um, I don't know. I just it would have felt more continuity and it would have felt like we wouldn't have wasted the character. But are two are two stormtroopers really more effective against a signal tower than a stormtrooper and an engineer? Yes, because that's yeah, signal. We, we could have swapped out. We could have had an engineer uh-huh. with Finn. Right. Yeah. And plus, yeah. No. It, it, I don't know, it's it's interesting. But I, I thought I thought this was a little dismissive of her, and it definitely mm-hmm. felt like a dictate from above. Um, uh, to throw that in there. Um, did, now Ryan, did you play Battlefront two? Yes. And did you read the book? Yes. Okay. So I started the game, didn't finish it, and then I have not read the book. So you knew who I, I now I knew who Aiden Versio was. Yes. Yeah, so she was Zay in all the press, her, and Zay's yeah. her daughter, right? Correct. And yep. Shriv was part of her squadron too. Yes. Correct. Yep, they're the last two. Okay. Um, and then, like you said earlier, the junkyard planet Bracca. That's the first level of uh, Fallen oh. Order. Yeah, yeah, the scrap, the scrap, the scrappers guild or whatever. Yeah. Um, where in this they had it, they were they were scrapping Repu- Again, they were scrapping Republic ships. Where did they get these Republic ships in the last week? Well, and you know, it sure was convenient that this was the exact week we were destroying the X wings. Like, yeah. <laughs> how many years has it been? Yeah, it's just, we- that's where it feels so tiny. Yeah. To me. You know, that's just where it feels so tiny. But I did love, um, uh, but I did, I did like, and I, and I liked seeing, oh, we didn't talk about truly the most important character of all, a low level Karelian bureaucrat that gets way more screen, way more page, more screen time than Rose Tico does. (laughs) Oh, brat. Brat. (laughs) Whose name is Brat? (laughs) <laughs> a character they want you to hate. They set you up to hate him. Attention. It, mm-hmm. it really is a large part of the book for a while. It's like who's stealing Brat's little data pad in his backpack and like And then he just sh- beats down that girl. <laughs> oh god, I forgot it, about it. It's that. real vicious. It's real dark. He gets yeah, real it's real it is dark. Uncomfortable. It, it is. 
here's a, a bit of advice for Star Wars writers. I hope to be among you one day, but is um we don't care. We don't care about low level Imperial first order bureaucrats. Uh, we don't, we don't, we don't care. Like if if you want to create a villain, that's fine, but don't give us that much time with them. It's really boring. Bureaucracy is not fun to read. <laughs> um, I, I understand them. Except wanting, in Darth Plagueis. <laughs> I again, understand them wanting to leave out the first order because this book isn't about what the first order is doing during this time, even though we kind of at some point need to know about that. But we we don't have to have a bad guy who is a low level, like he's middle management. He's the Michael Scott of Corellian bureaucracy. <laughs> and we don't need it because the only thing that makes him really a bad guy is when he flips out and beats the shit out of a 16 year old girl. Six. Otherwise he's just a pencil pusher. It gets real brutal. I, I, I know what, what, she's going for and she's trying to create a character a, a non here's the problem the i what he seems to be at first is not an evil character not a sith lord just uh someone who would be drawn to working for something like the first order or the empire right like you said middle management he's like is, that redneck in your town that became the police officer <laughs> right 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 he's not you know exactly which is which is half of them but yeah but then but then he beats that woman almost to death, and you're like, oh, wait, he is evil. He's not just some schmo working a job. And so it really, like, I don't know, it it, it kind of defeats the purpose of his character being, you know, not sympathetic or, or whatever, just kind of a guy. And all of a sudden he's doing evil things, and I was just like, oh, now I don't, I don't know. It's just not, it's not super entertaining. I don't find it that entertaining in the Thrawn books, um, the, the guy who was... Krennic's sidekick in the last Thrawn book I didn't love. Um, these guys, they're just so nondescript and boring, and they're pretty much all this, they're all written kind of the same. Yeah. And, uh, it's just it's just not a it's not a trend that I love in these books. Well, and like going back to like how much time has passed and how the first order was around, where did the first order get middle management from? <laughs> like you know, I can see recruiting some like hardcore believers. You know, but it, we seem to be at the point where they've got the Michael Scotts. <laughs> like, who's joining up the First Order to be a well? Sure. They put they put up a thing on Monster.com, and uh, <laughs> people submit their CVs. And uh, was it ZipRecruiter? Yeah, ZipRecruiter, and uh, they they put it out there. And there's a, there's a lot of people out of work in the galaxy, and you know what? They're going to record a hollow, and they're going to put it out there. And if well, the First Order picks them up, you know, we'll see a that paycheck. That's why it makes more sense in the Republic and the Empire, because those people who were pushing pencils in the Republic are just the same people pushing pencils in the Empire. They just got a different costume on. Right. right. They, 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 they just most of them don't even notice the difference. Right. They just keep doing their job because it is one continuous government mm-hmm. and, and one continuous system. And, and so when we see things like Ularan um, on Rebels or in uh, Clone Wars. And then we see him in the Empire. He that dude's just stayed in the same job the whole time, right? You know, like, they just like, sent him a new uniform, <laughs> right? Yeah, and that makes a lot more sense. But yes, where is all this middle management coming from the First Order? Where is all their supply chains and 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 and, and all that stuff? And and how do they? How are they all of a sudden running the Corellian shipyards when their main base got blown up like a week ago? Like yeah. it. Starkiller doesn't seem to set them back at all. 
like they blow up Starkiller at the end of the uh, Force Awakens and then they take over the galaxy. Right. And well, that doesn't and, make any sense. But with Starkiller, you still got people days. like you know they don't want to join up to the resistance. Like, did you just miss that they had a planet that can shoot giant lasers out? Like, it's time to join up. <laughs> well, to be fair, I wouldn't want or to get in those people's miss- way anyway. <laughs> did you miss that Hosni and Prime blew up? Were you not watching that did day? You, did you not look up? Um, <laughs> yeah, apparently you can see lasers everywhere. Yeah. I, I'll never uh, – JJ's trying to explain it. I will never forgive that moment. I, I like that movie. I've, I've grown to like it more. But the fact that they see Hosni and Prime blow up from the surface of another planet – yeah. Is in the daytime. Is dumb. <laughs> is so dumb. And so much and even though I don't like the novelization, Alan Dean Foster did a much better job in the book of having it be like a weapon that went through hyperspace. Mm-hmm. And that was probably what it was supposed to be. But the fact that Han Solo looks up and goes, Oh, they just blew up the Republic. And I'm like, and you would be dead now too. If you were that close, you would also be dead. You don't know how physics works in this galaxy. I know a little bit. <laughs> I know more than most people, Beth, <laughs> how things work in this galaxy, and it still doesn't make any sense. But, uh, if they can hyperspace skip, they don't, can Don't get Ryan on hyperspace. Okay, stop. I'm, it's my fault. I don't want to get Ryan on hyperspace skipping. Let's stop. <laughs> Bunch of bullshit. Let's, let's stop. <laughs> Sorry. That's my fault. That's my fault. If you mentioned that, you're going to send Ryan down a hole. Uh, uh so I guess all right. So my last question: Sure. Do you feel like this did set up the rise of Skywalker as much as you were hoping it would, or sufficiently, or do you wish it had more? I kind of wanted more, just because at the end of this book, we are led to believe they have more allies than we see at the beginning of the movie. Uh-huh. I, I know that there's a lot more people at the beginning of the movie than there are at on crate when they leave crate, but it still doesn't feel like enough. And if wedge and Nora are out there recruiting and if their other friends are out there recruiting, where are these people? Shouldn't there constantly be a stream of new recruits coming in? Why don't we see that? Why does it take until the end of the damn movie for Lando to show up and save the day? Because that's when it's cool. I know. And that was the problem for me was because we're recruiting the entire damn time. We've been recruiting for, well, okay, I guess given the timelines that make no sense, we're recruiting for two months, but still people should be coming in. I do feel like it set up a lot of the good stuff with, you know, Leia finally being tired and kind of giving up. But then there also should have been a lot more with Rey and her training. Since we got zero, well, okay, what one scene of Rey training in the movie, we should have at least gotten some Rey training in the book. I would have liked that. I would have liked to have seen Leia. I wish... I don't know if they had established it yet when she was writing, but I wish that JJ had communicated or someone had communicated to to her that, yeah, Leia was going to be her master. Cause I think that could have been their story through a big chunk of it. Yeah. Is or, or, or it could have been since it's early on, it could have been about Leia deciding to do that. That Leia, would have been interesting. Like struggling what, if she could do it or whether she wants to, cause Luke was more powerful than her, or at least, you know, more trained than her and he failed. 
mm-hmm. right? And, well, and especially and if she knew Obi-Wan she died. Right. So it could that struggle, do I pass on, you know, to use Yoda's words, do I pass on what I've learned? Or do I end it here? You know, maybe she's struggling with the same thing Luke is struggling with. Is is this information that needs to be passed down? Just something, you know, and look what happened to her son. Look what happened to her father. There could have been a real struggle there with should I take to her under my wing? Because in this, you can see Ray's clearly struggling to deal with everything that's going on, everything that's happened, these new feelings she's getting, these new powers she has. It could have easily been Leia going, looking at her going, she needs my help. Or going you know? over the books. Yes. Yeah. Like yeah. Appar- apparently, I read somewhere she she's got Obi Wan's journals or something. Or that's that's a supposition that you know yeah. they think that she's got Obi Wan's journals, and even if she doesn't, you I mean, know, Luke had them. Leia the going, so. you know what? I I'm probably dying. Do I need to pass this information on to her? Do I have the strength to train her? I, I feel like we could have gotten a lot more from Leia and Ray out of this book if they'd gone down that road. One of the biggest tragedies of this book is that they mentioned that Leia wrote a memoir. Mm-hmm. And oh, the fact yeah. that and the fact that Carrie Fisher's not around to write it for us is terrifying is upsetting. I would love to hear Carrie Fisher write Princess Leia's memoirs. We'd have to censor it a little bit. But <laughs> I would have loved to get Carrie Fisher's voice. <laughs> Go through like, Leia's partying years. You know, <laughs> postcards from the edge of space. Postcards from Galaxy's Edge. And <laughs> you could have just had a, 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 a nice Carrie Fisher memoir that would have been awesome. Um, I also feel like I think this book is satisfying in a meta way because of all these characters coming together in a way we haven't seen. I'm not sure if we've ever seen ever in Star Wars, even in the expanded universe. Characters would get added on mm-hmm. over time and become part of the main cast back then. Uh, the the solo children, Mara Jade, these characters would um, would, would get added and just become leads. In this, it's a whole bunch of supporting characters coming together, and they're still mostly supporting characters. And we've never seen that before. And it, I thought it was satisfying, and it was comforting in a way that someone that yeah they were paying attention. They did have this way to kind of pull it all together, and they did care about those of us who were reading all these things. But like I said at the beginning, I wish it had been twice as long. I wish it had been more in depth. I wish we would have had more characters even. And I wish it would have covered more time because, no, they're not. It doesn't lead straight into Rise of Skywalker. It leads into something that will become Rise of Skywalker. But I'm still very confused on the timeline and the timing of things. And I wish I had And as much as I enjoyed this book and I did. I just wish there was more to it because uh-huh. I don't feel like we're going to get that other story. We're not going to get that second, third book that I want that goes in this, in this little nook here. I think to them, this tells the story and that's part of my overall problem with the sequel trilogy, which I do enjoy is this is their version of a store of a, of a, of a connective material. And we're going like, but there's so much more that could be there. But to them, this is, this is what happens in between those two movies. And that is a little disappointing. Yeah. I think I kind of felt the same. Like it, I loved seeing everybody come together and it felt, you know, that the story group and Disney and all of them had a plan and it was going somewhere. And that was very exciting. But I think the flip side of that, and that's probably one of my biggest letdowns of this whole first wave of Disney is it 
and I think we talked about this earlier, but it felt like there was a plan going into the last movie. And then the movie came out, and that plan wasn't there. There's yeah. a weird disconnect between the story all the way up to Resistance Reborn that ties it all together and then the movie. Um, do you think Carrie's death has anything to do with that? That they were scrambling, like that that there was Leia was supposed to be such a big part of the last movie. I don't know, because um, that's what makes me feel like I, I said I like Rise of Skywalker, but part of it feels on the back foot a little bit, like they're scrambling. Yeah, and part yeah. of that is a reaction to Last Jedi, but also got to remember, you know, they 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 kill off Han, they kill off Luke. That was supposed to be Carrie's movie. They right. Had, they had said that, yeah. and she so, was gonna fight. Like, lightsaber and all, apparently. Yeah. Like, it was supposed to be Carrie's film. And the fact that they had to throw that out the window. Yeah. And they didn't take, you know, they probably should have taken an extra year off, but they didn't. And they kind of just pushed this movie through that I, I do thoroughly enjoy. But I feel like those pieces, they kind of just, it, it could be also one of those things where JJ got in the position. And they're like, listen, we just got to end this thing in a satisfying way. Right? Like, they, forget all this other stuff. We have to make a movie. They're also probably, you know, they're reeling from the, you know, financial catastrophe that was Solo and and, and the kind of the backlash from Last Jedi. And they're like, we just got to try to land this thing. Who cares about all these little subplots? Who cares about the Luke's lightsaber? Who cares about this? Who cares about the Unknown Regions? Who cares what the hell a Snoke is? Who cares? Let's just land this thing. Right. Um, and and, and after the last season of Lost, should we have trusted him with that? He does not. He did not do that. Lost has nothing. J.J. Yeah. Abrams directed the pilot for Lost and then said, peace out. Yeah, that's pure Lindolf. Lindolf and, and Carlton Cuse. He gave Lindelof yeah. and Cuse the sh- – well, he gave – what happened was he, 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 met, he, met, he met Damon Lindelof, who was just a staff writer on uh, Nash Bridges at the time. Yep. They got along real well. J.J. said, I have this idea for uh, – or they've pitched me this idea uh, ABC has for a show about a, a, a crashed plane, a desert island – and they started talking together, and a week later, he gets a call. He's like, hey, you're writing the pilot with me. And so they write the pilot, and within like a month, they're shooting the pilot in Hawaii. And the pilot to Lost is one of the best pilots I've ever seen. And J.J. directed that pilot, and then J.J. goes, hey, you got this? I'm going to go make Mission Impossible 3. And Damon Lindelof was like, I don't got this. I've never done this before. So he brought in Carlton Cuse, who was his boss at Nash Bridges. And they did it together. So that's all Lindelof and Lindelof. uh, And I don't hate the end of Lost, but Lindelof definitely has learned, as anyone who's watched Watchmen knows, Lindelof has gotten a little better at it. Uh, I I will stop. Once again, like I do on the main podcast, watch Watchmen. It's the perfect season of television. I will stop blaming uh, JJ JJ for a lot of things. (laughs) Yeah, no, Lost is not JJ. Lost is is all Damon Lindelof and Carlton Cuse. Um, JJ, he made money off every episode. But uh, he, he was not running the show. But I, I, I said, I think he stuck the landing pretty well. But I do think that they had to either out of necessity or whatever that they, they, they felt like they had to abandon some of the things they had been establishing. Yeah. And, um, uh, you know, because, I mean, he had to spend half his movie rewriting The Last Jedi, apparently. So but he didn't, though. Uh, he could have let some stuff go. He could have. He could have. No, I'm not saying he had to. I'm just saying that's what he did. And, you know, 
is a lot of middle finger for the last and, Jedi. Movie. And this is a whole other podcast, but I did not yeah. enjoy Watchmen. So yeah. oh, we'll get into that some other time. Shut your filthy mouth. <laughs> yeah, that's perfect. Yeah, I agree. I think it's a perfect season of television. Um, and The Leftovers was a great show, too. Oh, God, I love it. Yeah. But anyway. All right. So uh, all right. that's good. So I think we all liked it, but wish it would have been more. Wish it could have yeah. been more. Yeah, I agree. Okay. Um, and hopefully, and, and you said, if you're listening, I'll take a second volume easily. You yeah. know, give me some more. Yeah. I think especially uh, if you've read the other books, you absolutely have to read this. Uh, um, yes, I would say if you were if you were knee deep into stuff, if you've read some of the books, if you've read all the books, if you've read some of the comics, give this one a shot because you're you're gonna see someone you know in there, and a lot of the things that maybe you wanted to see in Rise of Skywalker, but there's no room for, you're gonna see some of that in here, the characters and everything. So it's definitely worth it. Um, Beth. I know we're excited about this. What are we going to talk about next episode? Oh, we are going to have, you think we've had some long discussions before. Well, wait until next episode, because we are going to get into the story of Darth Plagueis the Wise. And it's a matter of opinion how wise he truly was, considering he let Sheev kill him. But... We are all going to have a lot to say about it. It is a Legends book, our first time dabbling into the Legends. But I think it's going to be a really good conversation. And if you have any interest in where the story came from that you first heard Sheev say in Episode 3, you're going to want to tune in. My uh, favorite Star Wars book by my favorite Star Wars writer, novelist. So I'm very excited. Yeah, it's definitely up there. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm very excited about it. I will try to put apart the fat part of me that wishes I had written the book. So I really <laughs> do wish I'd written. So okay, that sounds great. All right. So until then, thank you guys so much for listening tonight, and uh, everybody stay safe and please continue to stay home. Looking at you, Vegas. <laughs> and Georgia. And Georgia. <laughs> and South Carolina. Just just stay home. Just stay home. I know it sucks. It sucks for everybody, but just stay home. (laughs) All right. Thanks, guys. Good night. You have been listening to a Needless Things podcast. You can follow Needless Things on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and at needlessthingspodcast.com. Love you. Mean it. Uh Uh-huh.